Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring in offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. Well, good morning. I also want to welcome you to Big Valley Grace Community Church. Excited to be here together to worship the Lord this morning. Welcome to everyone who's here on our Modesto campus. Thank you, my friend. Welcome to everyone who's joining us live right now on our online campus this weekend. I have met uh, people who are here for the very first time. And if that describes you, we're really glad that you're here. Whether you're here for the very first time on our Modesto campus or you're with us for the first time on our online campus, we're glad that you're with us. We hope that today is a great encouragement to you and that by being here today, being in God's word, with God's family, that you would receive an incredible encouragement from the Lord, that wherever it is that you would go next, that you would be full of the encouragement of God and how much he loves you, how much he cares about you, and the incredible plan that he has for your life. Amen. We're in a series looking at the book of Proverbs together. And we've extended a challenge to our church family, and it's simply this, that you'd look at the calendar. My calendar says it's the 23rd, and you'd open up to the book of Proverbs in the Bible, and you would just go to that chapter and read that chapter. And that not only you would read it yourself, but you would share it with others. If you don't have a Bible, we would like to give you a Bible here on the Modesto campus right after the service in the altar room. It's a room we pray for people in. We have free Bibles. We would love to give one to you. It would be our gift to you. We want everyone to be able to have a copy of the Word of God. Um, my wife, when she does her time in the Scriptures every day, what her practice is, is she reads it, she reads the Scriptures, and then she spends time journaling about it. And then almost daily, she takes a picture of what she's journaled, and she sends it to me in a text message. And that helps me in two ways. One, it helps me know that my wife is spending time with Jesus. And two, it helps me know my wife expects me to do the same. And we can be a great encouragement to one another as we spend time in the word of God and share it with others because it's a great invitation for others to do the same. And I would encourage you to have some type of practice like that. This last week, my wife and I enjoyed a really good laugh looking at one of the Proverbs that had to do with a wife who's kind of a pain is like a leaky roof. And we just had a lot of fun laughing about that together. Recently, we had a leaky roof, and it caused a lot of damage. And so we, we just had a good time laughing about whether it's her or I being a pain that it's like living with a leaky roof. And uh, I don't know how God will give you a gift, but that was a gift of joy that God gave us this last week, and we had a good time. We had a lot of laughs about it. The... Proverb that we're going to look at today, as I read through the readings that are the days prior to this and the, the days after this, as I read through that whole section, there was one that really stood out to me, 
And I'll explain why here in a little bit. But if you want to take your Bible and turn to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. So that would have been Thursday's reading. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. But before we get to that, I want to set it up. In the book of Proverbs, we see multiple, multiple times the desire for a parent's heart to lead the direction of a child's life. It is a theme that is repeated over and over. The majority of the Proverbs were written by King Solomon. He writes to his son. And it is this incredible heart of a parent to lead the child in the direction that they should go. We see that in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 10. Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. In other words, child, I'm trying to talk to you. And I want you to hear what I'm trying to share. Because I really want to bless you. I want your life to be a life that is blessed. And this type of theme is repeated in Proverbs in a lot of ways. In multiple verses, you have this heart of a parent to lead their child in the direction that they should go. It's very similar to the heart of the family that we just saw here on the stage, where they've come before their entire church family and they are humbly saying, God, we would like help to lead our children in the direction that they should go. Dedicating parents and children is an amazing practice. I'm glad that we do that. It's a humbling thing but it's to, to really seek after the Lord and to have accountability with that as a church family. I'm proud of the family that did that today. That's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful picture of godly parents. Really, there's two ways that you can boil down a parent's heart to lead their child. Now, you could, you could categorize this in more than two ways, but these are the two basic ways that I think we will all be able to very easily relate to. And number one is to lead towards wisdom. It is the heart of a parent as they're leading their child that they would lead the child towards wisdom. My wife and I, we have nine children and they're at various ages. Our oldest is in college, our youngest is four. And as a parent leading our children, we have led our children in some different ways. I'll describe it this way. Um, with our younger children, we lead them in front. In, in other words, we lead and we hold their hand and, and they're kind of walking behind us. And that's how we lead the younger children. Uh, our four-year-old, sometimes we're dragging her, all right? So we're leading. She doesn't want to go where we're leading, but we know that this is the right place we need to go, and so we're bringing her with us whether she wants to or not. Well, I've got two seniors in high school, and I treat them as men, and I'm not holding them by the hand and dragging them forward. It's more like I got my arm around them and I'm leading them from the side. And they're figuring out how to make some choices as a man of God right now. And I'm, I'm walking next to them and I'm leading them from the side. Well, we have one son who's 20. He's in college and he's leading his own life now. He is out on his own. He's making his own decisions. He's figuring out his life. And we really lead him from behind. We're encouraging him, hey man, go for it. Go after it. Follow the Lord. We're leading, we're leading from behind. And as we think about our children, we kind of the children go through the stages from us leading them in the front or leading them side to side or leading them from behind. But our whole desire is that they would be led towards what would be a wise life. 
In Proverbs chapter four, verse 11, the heart of a parent is speaking, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. I have led you, I have taught you, there's a way of wisdom, I've led you in the path. So a parent will lead, you know, and the child's behind, a parent will be side by side, leading, and a parent will encourage the child as they then go ahead. And they make their own choices. But it is in the path of uprightness. This word led here, the sense of this word is a number of things, but in the root of this word is included the idea of treading, like you were gonna tread down a path, or pressing or reaching, or the concept of bending a bow, putting pressure on a bow that you would bend the bow. And the purpose of bending the bow is that then an arrow would be placed in the bow and that from the pressure of bending the bow, the arrow would then have what it needs to be released and to fly forward. Well, when I was thinking about that, I was reminded that when I was 18, my dad gave me this arrow. And what my dad was communicating to me in that moment is basically he's now leading from behind as my dad. And he's releasing me. He's bent the bow of, you know, into my life. He's taught me the way. He's taught me the path to lead me in the way of uprightness. But it had come time for the bow to be bent and for me as an arrow to be placed in it and in the way that my dad had taught me to then have my life be directed towards the Lord that I might be released. Pastor Aaron referenced that children are a blessing from the Lord, they're a reward from the Lord. The scriptures also say that children are like arrows in a quiver and I'm not sure how many arrows are in a quiver but I gotta have at least two or three quivers. But my dad in that moment, he was communicating something to me. And he was communicating to me, it's time for you to be released. It's time for you to fly in the direction that you're supposed to fly. I've done my job, but I've pressed the bow. And I've led you, and I'm now releasing you. So fly straight. On this arrow, he wrote this, JCB. Those are my initials. You can spend as much time as you want trying to figure out what the C stands for. It says, released with love, dad. Joel, happy 18th birthday. Psalm 127.4, fly straight toward God's will for you and hit it. Romans 12.2, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed. Be a living sacrifice, do right. Think of yourself rightly with sound judgment and truth. Titus 2.7 and 8, purity and word. Love God wholehearted. 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18, rejoice, pray always, and in all, give thanks the heart of a parent to lead a child in the direction that they would go and to lead towards wisdom. And my encouragement would be that maybe as we look at the passages we look at today, it might be our heavenly father who loves us so much pressing the bow of our life that we as an arrow might be set in the string and that as God presses the bow, and sets us as an arrow that he might point us in the direction he wants us to go and he might release us with great force 
into that direction. And that as we look at the passages we're gonna look at today, it might be an invitation to you that the Lord wants to direct your life, that the Lord wants to point you in a direction and to release you in a direction that you might honor him and you might give thanks to him. It's the Father's heart, it's the Heavenly Father's heart to lead you in wisdom. Way number one is lead towards wisdom. Way number two two is lead away from foolishness. And again, we see this very clearly as parents because sometimes my my four-year-old wants to run in the direction she should not go, and so I need to grab her from by the hand and drag her the opposite way, right, and pull her. Pull her away from that which she's going. There was one moment, it was years ago, one of my, my adult men, sons, he went head first into a pool, and I grabbed him by his limb and hung him upside down to pull him out of the pool. Look what I caught. I would not be able to do that to him now because he's much larger than me. But there was a moment I could lift him with one hand. And I grabbed him because he went headlong into the pool. I just grabbed him out of the pool and held him up. I had to lead him away from foolishness because in that moment he didn't realize that was a bad plan. He didn't have his life preserver on, wasn't gonna end well. And I needed to lead him away from that. Or how many times has one of my little children wanted to go run where there are cars? And I just grab anything I can find, a hand, a foot, a jacket, an earlobe, anything I can grab hold of and just pull them back because I want my child to be okay. Well, it's the heart of the Lord that he would lead us away from foolishness, that we would not go headlong into foolishness. And that is really the heart of Proverbs chapter 20, verse one, which is why I wanted to set that up. Proverbs chapter 20, verse one, wine is a mocker. Strong drink, a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is not wise. What is this saying? Well, let's start with what it's not saying. It's not saying, you know, you're not allowed to have wine and you're not allowed to have a strong drink. What it is saying is that if you were to consume this to a certain degree, it would mock you and it would make you a mocker by how much you consume of this. Same here. You could consume this to a degree to where it will actually brawl you. It will fight you. And it will make you fight. That this can be abused and this can be abused to a degree to where it has now taken control. It has taken over. And it's now leading, and the way it leads is astray. It leads astray. And so you have to be careful with this and with this so that it doesn't take control of your life and lead you astray. Because if it leads you astray, it leads you a place to where you would not be wise. Now, again, I'm not saying you can't have wine, and I'm not saying you can't have a strong drink. What I'm saying is, you have to be careful. Because it can turn you into a mocker, it can turn you into a brawler. There's a heart of a parent at the end of Proverbs, writing to a king, it's not for kings, O Lemuel, it's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. In other words, 
If this begins to take over in your life, it's gonna lead you astray. You will forget what is right. You'll forget what the right thing to do is. And if you're in a place of authority, especially, and you forget what is right, then many people will be hurt by the fact you have forgotten what is right. And so you gotta be careful. You gotta be really careful. Now, as I share this example, this is not just about wine or strong drink. This is about anything that has taken over, anything that has taken control of your life. And you may not be able to relate to this concept of wine or strong drink taking over in your life or having control in your life, but there may be something else that you can relate to. I wanna share with you a number of the groups that we have for Celebrate Recovery, a ministry here at the church. Anger, codependency, chemical and alcohol addictions, codependent to sexually addicted, codependent to chemical addiction, food addiction, eating disorder, physical, sexual, emotional abuse, sexual addiction, adult children of dysfunctional families, groups for women, groups for men. There may be something that's taking control. It's not even listed on here. Maybe it's something that's in your life and it has taken control. It has taken control of your life and it is leading you astray. And my encouragement would be maybe this is a moment where the Lord presses the bow. The Lord presses the bow and he allows for you to be aligned because he has a direction he wants your life to go and that you would receive it in a loving way like that from the Lord. Celebrate recovery step one. We admitted we were powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors, that our lives had become unmanageable. So another way to think about it is, is there a place in your life that's become unmanageable because of a sense that you're powerless over an addiction or a compulsive behavior that you're experiencing right now and it's led you to a place where you go, my life is unmanageable. This is the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter seven, verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. That's the Apostle Paul. Like, he's the guy who wrote all of this. And he's saying, I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what's right. I know what the right thing to do is. I even wanna do it. But I really struggle in carrying it out. It would maybe lead to this question. What leader is controlling the direction of my life? That is a great question for you to ask yourself. What leader is controlling the direction of my life? What leader's pressing the bow and lining up the arrow in my life and pointing me? What leader is controlling the direction of my life? Jesus said this, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. He says this to his disciples. He loves them very much and he says, you gotta be alert. You gotta be paying attention because temptation is like all around you and you need to be alert and you need to be praying. You need to watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation, that you may not get tripped up in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The problem is not, is the spirit willing to lead my life after the Lord? The problem is my flesh gets in the way. My flesh is weak. And so Jesus gives this as an encouragement. When I was in college, I had a professor named Dr. Bill Thrasher. He had me read a book called Reclaiming Surrendered Ground. And the whole point of the book was Ephesians 4.27, give no opportunity to the devil. Give no opportunity to the devil. That's a command in scripture. Give no opportunity to the devil. That word opportunity means place or occasion. So give no place for the devil. Give no occasion for the devil. 
Don't let the devil have a pinky toe size grip anywhere in your life. The devil gets no place to put his pinky toe in your life. Some people might call it a foothold, that the devil would have a foothold. There would be no place in your life for the devil to grip. It's the heart of the Lord. Watch and pray that you would not fall into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Give no opportunity for the devil. And we need to encourage one another in that because we have an enemy. We're gonna talk about that more here. Galatians 5, 16. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So you can walk by the spirit of God. You can be led by the spirit of God. You can have the spirit of God be what's pressing the bow in your life and directing your life. That can be the, the governing force in your life. And if you are doing that, if you're allowing God to be the governing force in your life, to be walking by the Holy Spirit of God, then you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, when the bow of your life is pressed and you are placed as an arrow, you can't be pointed in the direction of walking by the Spirit and gratifying the desires of the flesh at the same time. You can't be flying in both directions at the same time. And so the encouragement is that we need to encourage one another in is let our lives be aligned here. Let our lives be lined up and aligned by the Spirit of God, that we would follow after God, his word, his will, his grace, his mercy, his love, his forgiveness, and we would allow him to be the governing force in our life. Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And he uses the illustration of tree and fruit. If you want a piece of fruit, you have to go to that type of tree. You can't find you know, the wrong type of fruit on a, a different type of tree. Well, then he says about our heart. Your heart, whatever, whatever you've stored up in your heart is the treasure that's gonna come out. So if you've stored up things of God in your heart, then the treasure that's gonna come out of your life is the things of God. But if you stored up things of the flesh in your heart, then the things that are gonna come out of your life are the treasure of the flesh. And the encouragement then is, is walk by the Spirit. Let the treasure be God's treasure that he wants to put in your life. And that way the treasure that comes out of your life is the treasure of the Lord. Proverbs 19, 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. And whoever has it rests satisfied and he will not be visited by harm. The fear of the Lord leads to life. And whoever, whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. The word harm here, Proverbs talks about a snare 10 times. Let me give you some examples that are snares. It can be a snare with words and speech. Words and speech can be a snare. Prostitution can be a snare. Deceitfulness and lies can be a snare. Dishonoring and disrespecting God and his holiness can be a snare. Wickedness and sinful anger can be a snare. All types of snares that are out there, traps. But the fear of the Lord leads to life. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man lays snare, but whoever trusts the Lord is safe. So the fear of the Lord leads to life, but the fear of man leads to a snare. The fear of the Lord leads to life. The fear of man leads to a snare. And so the great encouragement is that we'd not be afraid of man. We would not be fearful of man and mankind because it leads to a trap, but that we would fear the Lord because it leads to life. And whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So the encouragement that I wanna give you is that there's a battle. It is real. There is a real battle for the direction of your life. 
There is a war that is raging for the direction, the control of your life. There is a battle for control of my life's direction. And if you are unaware right now that there is a battle for the control of your life's direction, then it's likely you are not winning it. You need to be aware there's a battle. You need to be aware there's a war that is raging. One of my, my sons have been visiting colleges. Well, one of my sons has been visiting colleges to find out where he wants to play college football. So last weekend, by himself, got on a plane, went to another state. He shows up at the college, he meets with all the coaches, and then they have him go meet with the football players. And the very first thing this group of football players told my son when he showed up to the dorm was, there's a party, it's right now, let's go. My son is 17. There's a party, it's right now, let's go. Now fortunately, my son's father, before he dropped him off at the airplane, told him, this is what's gonna happen. <laughs> you are gonna be asked to say things you don't wanna say and do things you don't wanna do, and you need to be ready to say no and move your feet because there is a battle and you have an enemy and your enemy wants to take you out. Yeah. It's not often I am spot on right like that, but I was really glad I had that conversation <laughs> with my son. And God strengthened him and God protected him and God helped him to make a wise decision and to not fall into that moment. But it was the very first thing he faced. We have an enemy who wants to take us out. Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil are real. They are happening right now. And the clear encouragement is scripture is to put on the armor of God that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. In Proverbs chapter 24, verses 21 through 22, my son, fear the Lord and the king. Do not join with those who do otherwise. For disaster will arise suddenly from them and who knows the ruin that will come from them both. In other words, there is two groups of people. There is a group of people who fear the Lord and there is a group of people who do otherwise. Be in the group of the people who are fearing the Lord. Ephesians 6, 12 says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There is a real war battle raging right now for the control and direction of your life. And the Lord is inviting you to let you as an arrow be pressed into his bow that he might line you up in the direction he wants you to go. Colossians 2.8 says, see to it that no one takes you captive, captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. This word captive here, this is a term of leadership. The term captive means lead to rob. And there is a group that fears the Lord and there's a group who does otherwise. And the group who does otherwise, the agenda is to capture you and it is for the purpose to lead your life to rob you. And we need to be aware. Our culture is trying to rob us of the truth of the word of God. It is happening right now and it is happening all around us. In many, many ways, the world we are living in right now is trying to take us captive and to steal the word of God, to rob the word of God. I wanna give you two traps that the enemy has set 
Two traps that the enemy has set to capture and control my life. Two traps the enemy has set to capture and control your life. There are far more than these two traps, but these are huge. And they're happening right now in our world. Trap number one is my life has no God-designed purpose. There is a trap the enemy has set for you to believe that God doesn't exist, for you to believe that God doesn't design, and for you to believe that your purpose, you have no purpose in life that has been assigned by a designer who is God. It is a trap that is real and it is everywhere in our world right now. It is a snare and it leads to death. Our culture is trying to take us out to have us believe that my life has no God-designed purpose. Let me give you one example. There are so many. This is one. This is from albertmoeller.com. You can find his website very easily, Albert Moeller. You can find all of the references to what I'm about to say. You can look up all the articles on your own. This is from Monday, January 3rd. Direct threat to religious liberty. Legislative bans on conversion therapy on both sides of the Atlantic as Canada passes most comprehensive conversion therapy laws in the world and Britain seeks to follow suit. The text of the Canadian bill says that conversion therapy, as it is called, is wrong because it is based on and propagates myths and stereotypes about sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression, including the myth that heterosexuality, cisgender gender identity, that means non-gender, non-transgender gender identity, because you can't just say gender anymore, and gender expression that conforms to the sex assigned to a person at birth are to be preferred over other sexual orientations, gender identities, and gender expressions. The reason I'm sharing this with you is not because this law is against conversion therapy, but I want you to see this word conversion therapy and fill in the blank, because our culture is heading in this direction. That biblical truth, replace it with biblical truth. That biblical truth, as it is called, is wrong because it's based on and propagates myths and stereotypes about sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression, including the myth that heterosexuality, cisgender gender identity, that means non-transgender gender identity, and gender expression that conforms to the sex assigned to a person at birth are to be preferred over other sexual orientations, gender identities, and gender expressions. You could replace this word right here for biblical counseling or biblical preaching. What is this myth that this Canadian bill is coming up against. Let me share with you the myth that this Canadian bill is coming up against. Genesis chapter one, 27 through 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. It is a blessing of God that God created us in his image. It is a blessing of God. It is a blessing of God that God created us in his image. It is his design, it is for his purpose, that we might be an image bearer, that we might reflect the one who created us. And it is a blessing. It is not a myth. But the world wants you to believe that this is a myth. The world wants you to believe that this is not fact and this is not true. But this is truth with a capital T. And it is not a myth, it is a blessing. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We have a God, he is real. We have a God, he is the designer. And we have a God who has assigned us our purpose. And we need to not be afraid to say, I have a God-designed purpose. And we need to be aware 
that there is a trap everywhere in this world to try and snare us that we might think otherwise. Trap number two, my life has no God-designed value. Again, there are many traps, but this one is everywhere. This is everywhere. This is everywhere in our culture right now that we would think that God is not existing, he is dead, that God does not design, and I don't have value as a person because I have a designer and his name is God. Let me give you one example. Again, this is from Albert Moeller. You can find all of this on his website, all of the documentation. The culture of death revealed again, addressing the near unimaginable moral argument that abortion is better alternative than adoption. I will not say the person who I am quoting right now, if you wanna know who it is, you can go on to Albert Moeller's website Tuesday, January 4th, and you can read it for yourself. It's ridiculous to say there's no problem to eliminate abortion. Just place the kids up for adoption. It's not gonna be an emotion-free non-event. There's gonna be bonding and connection and a sense that it's an unnatural act to give your child away. What is the argument that is here? The argument that is here is that it is more of an unnatural act to give your child away than to abort your child. It is more traumatic for all involved to give your child away for adoption than to abort your child. As a dad, I cannot wrap my brain around that. That my son, who was 13 years old when he came to live with me and he's now 18, or my daughter, who was two when she came to live with me and she is now 14, or my son, who was six when he came to live with me and he is now 10, or my daughter, who was one when she came to live with me and she is now nine, or my daughter, who was three months old when she came to live with me and she is now four. I cannot think that it would be better for them to have been aborted. They have experienced trauma. The trauma my children have experienced has been extensive. Trauma is real. And there is real pain that my kids have gone through. They have experienced things that will impact them for the rest of their life. They will never get away from the trauma. It is so hard, it has had lifelong implications. It has changed their person, their structure of who they are. It is real. But I cannot imagine it would be less traumatic for them to have been aborted. My children have experienced great difficulty and God has rescued them out of their great difficulty. Amen. And I am proud to be the dad of my children. Psalm 139, 13 through 14, for you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he's put eternity into man's heart. Our soul knows what the right thing is because God placed it there to acknowledge him and to acknowledge his truth. Let me share with you about an incredible ministry that we support at Big Valley Grace Community Church. It's called the Modesto Pregnancy Center. 
They are the good guys. They're in the battle. There's a real war that's happening and they're the good guys. And every time you bring a gift of worship to Jesus Christ, a financial contribution to the ministry at Big Valley Grace Community Church, you support this ministry. Let me give you some stats from this ministry from the last calendar year. The Modesto Pregnancy Center had 984 clients. That means there was 984 people who the possibility in their mind was an abortion. Total visits, 3,483 that they met with those people. 681 pregnancy tests, 542 ultrasounds, 443 spiritual conversations, 149 gospel conversations, 12 new believers, 68 car seats, 167 people took a class in English and 30 people took a class in Spanish. They're the good guys. And I am thankful to be a part of a church that is supporting a ministry like Modesto Pregnancy Center. In fact, they are here with us this weekend. They have a table in the lobby and it might be that God is stirring in you that part of what it is he wants for you is to get involved in this incredible ministry. It is a gospel-centered ministry and they are deep in the battle, in the war for life. And it might be God's gonna call you to be a part of it, that you might be a part of the solution. In the book of Romans, it gives us two problems, and the two problems are very basic. Man gets off track when man doesn't do two things, honor God and give thanks to him. That's how life gets off track. That's how we end up in the wrong direction, when we don't honor God and we don't give thanks to him. And so I wanna offer to you as direction for life, that simple, those two things, simply that there would be direction for my life, direction for your life in those two areas, that we would honor God and we'd give thanks to him. To honor God and give thanks to him. That we would allow God to press his bow, to place us as an arrow and point us in the direction to honor God and give thanks to him. That that would be the direction that we need for our life, would be to honor God and to give thanks to God. Now, if you're here and you're realizing right now you need some direction in your life, we wanna pray for you regarding whatever it is that is causing you in this moment right now to realize you need some direction for your life. Just so want you know, we wanna pray for you. And anyone who's here, you would like prayer for the direction of your life that you would honor God, you would give thanks to God, and you would be heading in the direction that God wants you to be, I just would encourage you to stand up. We wanna pray for you right now. If you're here and you would like direction for your life, you would like prayer regarding the direction of your life, I just encourage you to stand. Awesome, great. And you, great, that's wonderful, great. You're here, that's awesome, and you want direction for your life, and you would like to have prayer for the direction of your life, we wanna pray for you right now. There are many standing. Let's pray for those who are standing. Father God, Lord, I thank you for those who are standing and they are very clearly right now, very publicly asking for direction for their life. God, I pray that you would give it to them, that you'd press the bow of their life, you'd place them as an arrow in your bow and you'd point them in the direction you wanna go and with great force, God-sized force, you would send them out in the direction you want them to go that they might honor you and they might give thanks to you. 
In fact, if you are here and you are standing, I would encourage you to say this to the Lord. Lord, I honor you right now. That you would say to the Lord, Lord, I give thanks to you right now. And that you would tell him, I'm honoring you and I'm giving thanks to you. You would tell him right now. And so God, for our friends who are standing, we're asking for your blessing on them. We're asking for your blessing on them. Would you bless them? And would you help them? Whatever it is that's in front of them, whatever the choices are that they have that are in front of them right now, would you help them with direction that they might live a life that honors you and gives thanks to you? And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's family said, amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we close our service.